Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy. The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today on The Rematch, I sat down with the executive producer and writer for the newly released series on HBO called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, Mr. Rodney Barnes. And I sat down with Dr. Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We discussed the premise behind the show, the much-discussed depictions of some of the Lakers legends, such as Norm Nixon and Jerry West, how the show didn't shy away from the prevalent racial components of the magic and bird rivalry and how Dr. Hughes prepared to play Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and much more. This is a really good show. Hope you enjoy. We are here on the rematch for basketballnews.com and Fly TV, and we have the executive producer, and writer for the newly released series on HBO called Winning Time, The Rise of the Los An- of the Lakers Dynasty, Mr. Rodney Barnes. Um, and we have Dr. Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Thank you both for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. So first, I, I got to say, I appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me, uh, Mr. Barnes. You know, we follow each other on Instagram. And you really just reached out to me one time. I was talking about, you know, up the the, the show uh, on my on my radio show here in D.C. 
called The Collision When Sports and Politics Collide. And that's when you first heard me talk about it. But uh, thanks for reaching out to me because I, I definitely am, am enjoying this show. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, man, and I had to I had to work on Solomon because he's in demand right now. It's hard to get Solomon to do anything. And I said, Solomon, we got to do this. And then when I said your name, he said, oh, man, I've read his books. I've done this. And it was a little bit easier after that. So he wasn't really doing it for me. He's doing it for you because he's a fan of yours. To hell with me. Oh, well, I am honored. Dr. Solomon Hughes. Nice to meet you, sir. No, it's great to meet you, Etan. I, you know, I, um, I have so I, I've taught a couple courses about race and sports at Stanford and Duke, and you are always coming up as part of the curriculum. Um, we were, we, we, you actually, I remember you did a thing at Duke a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It was during the same time that we were uh, uh, teaching a course on how inequality shows up in sports. And so, right. uh, it was, uh, you know, one of these days, hopefully, I'll be able to actually get you in class. But bro, I've I've watched you for a long time. I've really admired just the way you've carried yourself, just the way, just how intentional you are about incorporating uh, things into the conversations that that need to be talked about. Um, so yeah, bro, and uh, yeah, again, just a long time fan. So this, is, this really is an honor. Well, I definitely appreciate that. I, I, I definitely appreciate that. And yeah, sure, we, we can talk offline and I'll definitely come and speak to your class. I, I would love to. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an honor. Yeah, I didn't expect for that to be the intro, <laughs> which I'll say, but I, <laughs> hey, I really appreciate it. So. So let's talk about the show. The show is off with a bang. You know, everybody is buzzing about it. And, you know, I have so many questions. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So let me start off with you, Mr. Barnes. Um, there was a lot that this shows that I think most fans weren't aware of. Would, would, yep. would you agree, for, you know, even, even from the start? I, I would agree. And I think that's the reason for doing it. It's like you already have documentaries, the 30 for 30s that have done about the Lakers and the Celtics and you know, basketball, the stuff that you remember. The purpose of this show is to give you a little bit of what you remember and then the behind the scenes and the other dimensions of what you never knew took place. Mm-hmm. And to sort of capture, it's funny because we see basketball in a modern era and we think that's what basketball has always been, or at least young folks do. So to be able to get a glimpse behind the scenes and to be able to speak to the past and how the past informs the present, that's sort of the purpose of why to me, the show matters. Wow. And, and, and Dr. Hughes, you know, you, you play Kareem and it's, it's amazing because, you know, I, I, I've, I've known Kareem for a long time. I've um, studied him when I was growing up younger. Um, I had the honor of having him, you know, uh, interviewed him for my previous book, We Matter, Athletes and Activism. And he talked about how important it is for athletes to use their voices. You know, I have the, such tremendous respect for him. What was it like and how, do you pre- how did you prepare for playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Sure. You know, it was, I, I tell people, it was one of the most, if not the most rewarding research process that I've ever engaged in. Yeah, I mean, and I, I love that point about you and Kareem because it's like you're both from Harlem, right? And just so just the two great bigs to come out of that, come out of that environment. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, his autobiography, Giant Steps, is one of the first autobiographies I read growing up as a kid, like right alongside the autobiography of Malcolm X. And so I, I've been a lifelong fan. I grew up in Southern California, in Riverside, California, which is right outside of LA. And so the Lakers were essentially my sports team and, and, and Kareem was the literal center. And so my father, who, uh, is a, who is, was a sociology professor 40 years, also very tall and just loved Kareem, loved his mind, loved his contributions to the world, loved how, loved how he always spoke up for the oppressed. And so 
you know, early on, my dad was very intentional about making sure that my brothers and I, while we were fans of the game, that we paid close attention in particular to people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow, that's great. Now, now the show doesn't shy away from the racial implications, even to start off with. Um, started right off with the, you know, with the scene where they were at the table with Jack Cook when Magic was there with his father. <laughs> And, you know, he was saying all of those, you know, those racial Boy, things. Words. Oh, my all gosh. I was like, wow. So, so yeah. why was it important to highlight that dynamic? Because that's a dynamic that a lot of previous, you know, documentaries and shows have kind of glossed over. Because that was the nature of the NBA at that time. I mean, the players really didn't have a voice like they do today. Mm-hmm. And you were in a place where we're looking at 1979. Uh, you're coming out of the civil rights movement, and it wasn't really a closed-ended movement where everything was beautiful after that. So you still had the business of the game of basketball, even though black men played it, they didn't really have a voice in the same way. And the owners that, in quote, owned the teams, Mm -hmm. in a way, I think they looked at the players like they owned them too. And they Mm -hmm. weren't used to players having a voice. And I think when you look at the ABA also merging into the NBA and the style of play being more up-tempo, more of a street-type game as well. A lot of fans were sort of pushed back by that. They wanted more of a traditional game, what they had seen with uh, the teams of the late 60s and 70s and how they played the traditional game. So there was a lot of um, – basketball at that time was the number five sport, mm. like behind bowling, our research uh, was telling us. Wow. And the games would be um, – tape delayed even the championship i remember the 76ers and the trailblazers came on after like 11 45 or something after the news Mm -hmm. even though the game had been over for three or four hours and so a lot of that they believed was due to um the race issue of how white people did not want to see a game that was played the way black people played it and you know they say violence and drugs and a lot of other things that I think the media pushed as the idea of what black men playing this game was at the time. Mm-hmm. And really up until I believe hip hop sort of created a bridge. When you look at Allen Iverson and you look at the modern game, sort of fused the bridge between the black athlete and the acceptance of young white kids in a different kind of way to bring us into the modern era. But it started during the period of time of what we're talking about in 1979 and 1980. You know, it's interesting, um, Dr. Hughes, because I've heard Kareem talk about this very often, and I've heard Bill Russell talk about this very often. Um, you know, I interviewed them both for my book, and I asked them, what was it like, the, the, the players, fans, um, interaction, relationship. What was it like back then? And the stories that they told me, I mean, Bill Russell told me about, you know, being in the game and hearing them say every racial epithet that you can ever hear um, or think about, you know, Kareem would say the same thing. Um, he said, so, you know, sometimes we weren't as warm with some of the uh, fans because, you know, that's all we heard the entire game. And then we have the media who then mm-hmm. comes and it's like they're attacking us who are always on the defense. Did you, right. did you see some of that in your, oh my your studying of Kareem? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you know, so I had the opportunity to play college basketball and I, and I played a few years professionally um, afterwards, but just, I think there is, there's the experience of being like, of, of watched, right? Watched closely and scrutinized. I feel like it's, 
before anyone, I think, uh, comes to a place, I mean, judging, I think, is just wrong in general, but before anybody comes to a place of, like, judging how someone, like, carried themselves in the media, mm-hmm. it's, I, I always, I w- it's my thing is I wish that they could just walk a day in that person's shoes, right? I mean, especially when you think about people like Bill Russell and Kareem. Mm-hmm. Very, very tall, very recognizable. Uh, certainly, every time they step out the door, there's just uh, an, uh, a wave of want from fans, mm-hmm. from onlookers, et cetera. And then in particular, I think when you talk about sports media, um, you know, it's a, it's a space that still really lacks diversity and just how much more drastic it was then when, you know, you're trying to uh, dialogue across so many different, uh, man, cultural barriers. I don't want to use the word barriers, but just there's, there's, there's a lot of misunderstandings. And I think, you know, I, I can only imagine how frustrating it was for people like Kareem or, or Bill Russell to, uh, to, to show up every day in front of a, a body of sports media who were really only interested in one dimension of them, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in one rel- relatively superficial dimension of them, right? Their right. physicality, what they did right. on the court. When all this stuff is happening around the world with them. I mean, when you think about, you know, Bill Russell and Kareem, you know, we, we were in Cleveland for the All-Star Game. And, it's, you know, it's, the, it's coming up on the 55th anniversary of the Cleveland Summit. Mm-hmm. And just how monumental that moment was in the history of like of this country and just how important that's a globally important conversation that they were engaging in and so so to go from those like high intellectual deep conversations around you know this world around them that's falling apart to just you know why don't you smile more it's right you can only imagine how maddening that must be to to have to deal with that on a daily basis right and then it was interesting hearing um, some of the criticism of Magic, you know, in that first episode where he said he smiles too much, you know what I mean? And then, and then you saw the the dynamic between with Magic and Larry Bird, which I'm glad that y'all really pointed out because that's again people gloss over that and the racial implications. Um, I thought that was really interesting because um, people still don't really, you know, like to admit that there is a, a, a racial implication that plays into why Larry Bird was so beloved. Yep. And not to say that he wasn't the truth, like he was no. the truth. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that he was white, you know what I mean, played into white and you showed that. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic in a in a in a direction to to choose, especially coming out the gate with the series. Stick with the show. It's gonna get is we go deeper. We keep going. So I think you'll dig it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, and it's interesting that um, you know, I actually pulled up a quote from uh, Larry Bird, um, because he said that, I have it right here, he said, I think it's good for a fan base because as we all know, the majority of the fans are white America. Um, He said, and if you had, and if you just had a couple of white guys in there, you might get them a little excited. That, That was a direct quote from Larry Bird. You know what I mean? And then we also heard different times when Isaiah Thomas mentioned something about, I think, Dominique, and then the, it was a backlash. But this is yeah. Larry Bird saying. It's not like it, yeah. it's they're making it up, it's, but it's just that people don't want to recognize it. So I thought that was a really interesting element that you that you put in the show. Like you have the words going on in the description, how they describe magic, and how they describe uh, Larry Bird. You say, well, that means he's black, and then that means he's a white player. I thought that I really thought that was brilliant. Well, that, thank you first. And that was the edited version. You know, if you mm-hmm. maybe if there's a director's cut, you'll see as far as we went in the beginning. But, you know, you can't separate race from the game, certainly during that period of time. And, you know, it's sort of a responsibility of ours to go as far as we can with telling the truth. Mm. So a lot of people are asking about how it's going to, you know, how it's going to develop with the dynamic between Magic and Kareem. And the reason why a lot it always comes up 
is because from the outside looking in, the contrast is the relationship between Kobe and Shaq and everything that Magic did right and everything that Kobe did wrong in that relationship. So it even showed in the beginning again. And so Magic said, oh, well, this is Kareem's team. You know what I mean? I'm just here to help Kareem. Like, it's all about Kareem. That's how Magic did. But then with Kobe, you saw it was a little bit different. It was different. the other way around. Yeah. The other way around. Did, 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 did it get into that development as far as their relationship as we go on? Because I think a lot of people keep asking and they want to see a little bit more about that development because it, it's not really, again, talked about that much. Solomon, you want to start that one? Sure. Yeah, no, I feel like, I mean, so I, I, I pinch myself every day when I think about this being my first professional acting job and just the brilliance of people like Rodney Barnes, Max Bornstein, et cetera, who, who have kind of created this world for us to play in. Um, and, and, and just so the writing is just, it's so good. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, Rodney talks a lot about really uh, highlighting, we, you know, we talk about you're unpacking the multiple dimensions of these individuals, right? These are professional athletes who can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And they also have lives and they also have backstories. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Magic coming from Lansing, Michigan, Kareem coming from Harlem, just the different areas that they came up in the way they approach life differently. And so it's, you know, I feel like, I feel like viewers are going to, there's going to be a lot to, to, uh, to unpack with regards to just how their relationship comes together. You know, when you think about Kareem at the, at the time that this story starts off, you know, he's won multiple MVPs. He's won a world championship. I, I read somewhere recently that if you take into account high school, college and professional, he's the most winning, the, the winningest basketball player of all time. Right. right. And so, you have someone who is like tried and true. Like I know how to win games. I know how you know to be successful. And then this new energy that comes in. So mm-hmm. it's fun. You know, I mean, just the, the multiple layers of the dynamic: the younger, the older, the established. The, you know, and just the different way they approach things. Um, I think it's it's. I think viewers are going to have a lot of fun watching this. That's great. That's great. Well, I, I think a lot of times, and one of the things that I said before, as far that I saw a lot on social media, was that a lot of people didn't know. You know, they don't. They don't know the personalities of different players. Right. Um, so now, a little bit, you know, later with social media, they get a, get a chance to see players doing different things. But nobody really knew who Jerry West was as a person. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, so, I, saw, so I saw. I saw the reaction from from the first episode. Everybody was like, "Whoa." This is who Jerry West was. Yeah. And I, how, how did you go go uh, walk me through developing that um, character and showing that that side of of Jerry West? A lot of research. I mean, I, I think um, you know we're catching him at the sort of the early part of his coaching career after he's just recently retired, and he's sort of at the crossroads of what do I want to be in this game, and. From everything we read, everything we were told by advisors, everything we saw, like YouTube or whatever, that's who he was. Mm -hmm. And so we had to capture that energy and that spirit. But much like what Solomon was talking about with the journey of um, our Kareem and our magic, it's the same thing for Jerry West. We're meeting these guys at a certain place, and by the end of the season, they will have an arc, and it will be you will know them a lot better than what the pilot showed. Mm -hmm. That's the beginning. We're going on a journey together and everyone will have evolved with whatever direction they go in, up, down, left, right, whatever. And so with all things, there's a starting place and this is the starting place for our Jerry West. But every all of our research, this is the guy that we came up with, with everything that we came to learn. 
Very interesting. And and so uh, I heard that reaction a lot from about Norm Nixon as well. Um, yes. Because, because again, people don't know. Well, Norm Nixon told me personally, Norm has, he never wore a fur coat, even though we found a picture of him with a fur coat. He okay. never answered that text. <laughs> okay. And he never got a pedicure. You know, so, and that's why we put him there, claims right. he never got a pedicure. Oh, got you, got so, you. But his son is playing him. So, oh, you that's know, cool. that's they have son. Devon Nixon is playing his father, Norm Nixon. Oh. And so there's a relationship between those two in a different way than any of the cast members who are playing the other folks. So, you know, yeah, there you go with Norm. So, so I so I know I saw on the, the cast and you have, you know, um, of course, um you know, Jeannie Buss, and you have all the different people who, and a lot of people ask, oh, well, who else are for the Lakers are we going to see? Are we going to see James Worthy depicted? Are we going to see, you know, Kurt Ram? Those are the questions all on social media. Could you give a glimpse, like, to tell everybody, like, who, who can we expect to see depicted as the show goes on? Well, this is covering season one. Okay. So you can sort of, you know, go to a sports almanac and mm. find out who was on season one. Okay. But if we're so blessed to get more seasons, you know, if folks dig this thing and HBO blesses us to continue on, we're going to tell as much of the story as we can possibly tell. So all of those folks will come, you know, if we're so fortunate to be able to have them come. But in season one, Spencer Haywood is um, coming. Um, And Jack McKinney, who was the inventor of the Showtime offense. Mm. uh, And I think a forgotten person in the, Laker, the annals of Laker history. Um, and Paul Westhead, Pat Riley, you know, the mm-hmm. usual suspects of season one. But probably won't go too much deeper than that in season one. Okay. But Etan, I got to oh. say, Etan, there is a character coming up. Maurice Uh-oh. played by our, lo- our beloved Rodney Barnes, <laughs> who is going to steal the series. Okay, like, like no last name, just one name, Maurice. He's the form security He's going to earn a last name in season two. If there's a season two, I want Maurice to have a last name. Maurice <laughs> is the head of Laker security. Okay. It was supposed to be a one-off idea that Max Bornstein, our showrunner, uh, came up with. I walked into the office our first day, um, we were in Santa Monica mm. and we see all the actors on the wall. We had pictures of all the actors and mm. I see my picture and I'm like, why is my picture up on the wall? <laughs> You're going to play Maurice. All right. Who is Maurice? Maurice is the head of Lakers security. And I'm like, okay, I have been a security guard, you know, okay. 7350. I have been a security guard. <laughs> all right. This will be fun. One time. Cut to, I see scripts coming. With Maurice in there. And now he's walking and talking, and he's doing other stuff, and he's doing other characters. So, yeah, I have this reoccurring thing where I'm playing uh, this character. So there That's you go. great. Right. And Maurice is definitely a favorite amongst the cast. Like, I feel like Maurice could have his own spinoff. I mean, just... I've said that. For, and he needs a woman. He needs a love interest. He needs all that. Huh? Things, some kids. <laughs> Maurice needs a life. He can't just be standing at the door with that same jacket on. At that's least that's, if it were up to me. But yes. That's great. So let me ask you this. Did you, um, Dr. Hughes, have you, have you been, had a chance to meet and talk with Kareem and kind of ask him a little bit of, of yeah. questions in developing uh, the character for the show? 
I have not had the opportunity to meet Kareem. Uh, my my younger brother got to meet Kareem uh, when he played for the LA Defenders, and okay. it's something we both talk about and cherish. Like just because we again we both grew up fans, and so you know I think one of the things that I, I benefited from was just he's 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 been relatively generous with how much he shared about his life. You know, obviously right. his autobiography, and then the books he wrote recently about his relationship with Wooden, et cetera. In addition to you know just the 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 just his his op-eds, et cetera, I feel like he he's one who who shares his perspective pretty openly. And then, of course, there's the HBO documentary, Minority of One, which is, is such a gorgeous, uh, just uh, uh, revisiting of just his life from, you know, from when he was born up until to who he is now. And so I feel like, uh, so though while I've not had the opportunity to meet him, I feel like I definitely have benefited from just how generous he's been with what he shared about himself. Got you, got you. And what about Magic? Did Magic um, talk to everybody or did they, they pour in some of the, like, like where did you get all of the stories and everything from? Like, where did you get all the information from? Everybody wrote a book. Everybody except Dr. Buss wrote a book. So okay. we researched, and sometimes multiple books. Gotcha. So we were able to go through research with their biographies, autobiographies, um, articles that have been written. I mean, these are some of the most famous people in the history of sports. So there's a lot of information out there about them. And then we had Rick Fox was our technical advisor. Okay. Um, and we had other folks who came in that were connected to the Laker organization who gave us stuff as well. So a lot of research went into it, but not talking to the people themselves. Right, right. Now, how many, how many um, episodes are there going to be? Ten episodes for season one. Okay, okay. And then hopefully for season two, ten more episodes. We're going to speak it into existence. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Uh, yes, we are hoping for ten more. That's our uh, penciled-in plan. But, again, it's up to the public. You know, they demand it by watching uh, what they want to see. So that's the hope. Great. So I'm not going to keep you out too long, but what is the some of the main takeaways that you want people to to come away from watching this first season? What are the main takeaways that you want? I'll start with you, Dr. Hughes, and then come back to you, Mr. Barnes, with the same question. Sure. You know, and I, and I think, and this is why I, I really enjoy having this conversation with you, Tom, because I feel like there's this, uh, there's, 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 with professional athletes, they really get just kind of cast as like one thing. And so, you know, what, what I think, I think, you know, this is coming from the perspective of fans, from the writers to people who are in the cast. And so really understanding, okay. that there are, you know, it's, 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 I think it's a great question and it's, it's why it's particularly great to be talking with you about this because I feel like you are one of the athletes that, that clearly has done, you're so much more than just an incredible basketball talent. And so I feel like, you know, this is a, this is coming from the perspective of fans, from the writers to the cast, to the producers. And so really just trying to unpack the, just the multi-dimensions of their humanity. And, um, and, you know, in the midst of like lots of change, you know, this is, this is the beginning of entertainment really having a place in in uh, in the realm of basketball, the the global game that we we view today. The the fact that you know a LeBron James tweet can like spark a geopolitical conversation. Mm -hmm. you know, this is really the beginnings of how basketball started being watched differently, and within that, the stories of these humans who were you know it's like one of the things that I just filming this really gave me an appreciation for is the fact that they were intensely pursuing excellence on the basketball court, world championships in the midst of Hollywood. You talk about mm. distractionville and the fact that they stayed true to their goals and that they, you know, these different styles came together to produce something so brilliant and beautiful as the the Lakers legacy. You know, I feel like it's, I, I feel like 
we're all better as humans when we look, when we, when we try to think beyond what's what we superficially see in front of us. And so I, I hope that people take away from this is that, you know, while you see these spectacular moves on TV, there's, there, there's so much more going on behind the scenes with these people's lives. That's great. That's great. And Mr. Barnes, what, what is your hope that everyone um, takes uh, away from this? There's a lot, but I'll kind of focus on one and it piggybacks off of what Solomon said. Um, when you look at, where we're talking about 1979, 1980 with the black athlete, you know, those brothers didn't have as much of a voice in the game. They just basically played the game. But when you see Magic at the table start to demand what he wanted, and mm-hmm. we're talking about free agency, and we're starting to talk about independence as an athlete, when you look at like what the NFL is going through right now, where brothers don't have the same voice like you know you can be ostracized or you can be blackballed for taking mm-hmm. a stance mm-hmm. juxtaposed to what the nba is now where when you had george floyd or black lives matter those brothers could shut down protest stop playing if they wanted to and really had power over the allness of their careers in the game itself mm-hmm. and i think if you look at where we're starting now and you look at where the game is now there's sort of a hope there that you can evolve you do have more power than just the verb of playing the game Mm. And I would hope that, you know, certainly for younger athletes that might be looking at this, that it would give them, you know, some oomph to be able to see the power that they do have beyond just playing the game itself and the influence that they have. Well, I think that's great. And that's a great message for young people to have um, as a takeaway. So, hey, much respect to both of y'all. I'm looking forward to continuing uh, watching this series. Uh, I told you my only my only, my only complaint was that I, I gotten used to um, you know, watching Netflix style where I just binge through the whole thing. Yes. So, I, so now I have to wait each week. I'm like, oh man, I want to I see it all in one setting. Patience but, uh, is a virtue, brother. Yeah, Patience, but you know, it's coming. Netflix spoiled us because we can yes, see everything, true. you know. That's but very true. but no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So much respect to y'all. Thank y'all for putting this project together. Um, you know, and congratulations, Dr. Hughes, for this being your, your acting debut. I think that's great to be able to play Creole Dudes the Bar. That's that's huge. So it gets deeper too. You gotta watch this, brother. When we get around <laughs> episode 105, that's his Emmy. That's Is that right? Emmy. Yeah, right. man. He brings wait. it from there Can't all the way wait. through. So Can't wait. Go. Looking forward to it. So, all right. I definitely appreciate you guys. Um, and thanks again for coming on the show today. Thank you, Eton. Appreciate it. Thank you, Eton. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Thomas 36 Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.